so who's going to be lining up first at each distillery to go and get their own bottle? Anybody <laughs> camp, camping out? <laughs> This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. So what happens when you bring five of the top distillers together and have them each provide two of their very best barrels? Well, you get the Bardstown Collection. Jim Beam, Heaven Hill, Logstill, Preservation, and Bardstown Bourbon Company, they've all come together along with a tourism side of Visit Bardstown to release five special edition bottles that will benefit the community of Bardstown. All of the proceeds will go to the Main Street Association, hospitality, and first responders. These exclusive expressions have a unified packaging featuring Bardstown imagery, and the only difference is just a little piece of the label where each brand's logo is at the very bottom of the bottle. And in this episode, we're joined by Freddie No, Connor Driscoll, Lynn Dant, and Steve Nally, to talk about the process of making this collection. And these bottles will be released at each distillery starting on January 13th, and the cost is going to range anywhere from $160 to $250 per bottle. So get ready to collect the whole set. With that, enjoy today's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Matthew Dart, who writes me on Fred Minnick. I have noticed there have been some occasions where my palate seems off uh, for no reason, and whiskey tasting is very disappointing. I will even sample my favorites, and that confirms that something is off. Does this happen to you? If so, is there anything that you can do about it? Matthew, you have asked me one of the greatest questions I have answered for myself personally in my career, and that is to know when my palate is off. And the thing about it is, is that there are certain days that I call them trauma days. So I have what I call trauma days. Like I have anniversaries of times where I have like an unwanted memory and they're anniversary days that can have a physical and a a mental impact on me. And I won't taste alcohol that day. In fact, during those days, I I mean, not much tastes like anything. There's an actual uh, mental blockage in people's memories of taste buds on on some anniversaries. Uh, There's also times when, you know, I didn't get much sleep. So when I don't get at least five hours of sleep, my palate is a wreck. Like, I mean, I can't, it's it's not good. Like I need, my my body is all about sleep. If If my sleep cycle is off, I'm a wreck on my palate. I mean, I can function otherwise and do other things. Oddly, I can write really well when I haven't had much sleep. So that's another one. But I think I think this is a very personal question, Matthew. And the thing is, is you got to understand your body. you got to understand uh, what has happened to you, what you've eaten, and things that have an impact on you. So the next time you go through this, I want you to jot down like what you had for lunch or breakfast and then see if, if there's a similarity uh, from the last time that you did it or that happened. If you have been in a car accident uh, or lost someone you really care about and it happened to be on the anniversary of that day, you know, take a look and see if it's that. I mean, there's a lot of reasons here, Matthew, but um, this is a very common, very, very common issue. And professional tasters like myself, 
figure out their own processes. You know, for me, when my palate's not on, I just don't taste. But that's going to do it uh, for this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you want to be like Matthew, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Just click the contact button and send me your question. If I like it, I'll read it on the air. Cheers. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny here, riding solo, but in a new location set up today. We're actually on the Beam property, and it's been part of the, the family history here, but it's also been a part of Bardstown. And really, this episode today is talking about how we are bringing together Bardstown, and not just because of the city, but through bourbon as well. And this is actually going through and looking at the Bardstown collection here, and we'll give you some information about it. But as everybody knows, Bardstown is the bourbon capital of the world. It's got 11 distillery experiences within just 16 miles of the town center, and each of them do something just uh, a little bit uniquely different on the, on the way they do this. So I've got some great guests lined up today to kind of talk about A, the bourbon, B, Bardstown, see how they kind of like know each other. What, frenemies? Is that maybe the best way to kind of put this thing to? No, I mean, everybody kind of comes together here. Um, but today on the show, we've got Connor O'Driscoll, the master distiller from Heaven Hill, Steve Nally, the the legendary distiller over at Bardstown Bourbon Company, and as well as Freddie No, eighth generation distiller at Jim Beams. Fellas, doing okay? Doing great. Good. Uh, Welcome good. back because you've all been on the show before. Good to be back. Thank yeah, you. I know, I know. So, uh, so maybe everybody, everybody knows your voices. Kind of, uh, Connor, give us a, a little bit of, uh, you know, a thirty-second little kind of intro about like what you know, the kind of role that you kind of had in, in this Barstown collection, and sort of really what it's starting to mean to you as this begins to start rolling out. Well, so Heaven Hill headquartered in Barstown uh, Distillery originally there until burned down. Um, our distillery is now in Louisville, but 
we have a lot of warehouses in uh in Bardstown and that's that's where our DNA is, you know, that's where we're from. And in a massive new visitor center as yeah, well. The Heaven Hill Bourbon Experience. It's yes. pretty it's pretty impressive. It is. And actually the the two barrels that are going into our contribution to the Bardstown Collective came from that same campus, uh, warehouse M, I believe. Did yeah. you select the warehouse M? Did you? Um, I selected, I was part of the selection team that selected the best whiskey for this that happened to come from warehouse M. Yeah. So. Do you, when you do a selection, do people ever, like, do you get vetoed? Does it ever happen? Um, yes. <laughs> 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 to be honest, yes. <laughs> it's a very collaborative process, you know, and a lot of blind tasting and, you know, uh, what do you think? What do you think? This one, that one. And, you know, it, we, we generally come together on, on, a, on, a, on a good selection. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then Steve, welcome back to the show as well. Hey, thanks for having me back on here. Uh, you know, although I'm not the new kid on the block, uh, <laughs> Barstown Bourbon Company is. You know, we we tend to to bring a new vision to to the collaborative process, the community of Barstown. You know, we try to bring a new vision, uh, an experience, so to speak, and to help put this collaboration, this team effort together to to bring spirits together from all distilleries. We as a in the industry have always been friends, uh, worked together, and for Barstown Bourbon Company to put this collaboration together, this blend together to team up with all of our friends, you know, it's been a great experience for us. And again, Barstown Bourbon Company has worked together as a team to present our collaboration, our product to join together with our friends. So when you were picking some barrels for this, what were you kind of looking at? If you are the new person on the block, the new kid on the block, you know, a lot of your stuff is just kind of starting to come to age. So what was the process like for you all when you were trying to find some of these, uh, these cherry barrels? Well, we, we want to put something together that's really a great experience, a great flavor profile, you know, to present to the public when they taste it, you know, they say, Hey, this, this is a great product. And it, may or may not be necessarily all ours. So, you know, we present something that's really great, unique flavor profile to bring forward to the public, to the co consumer. Yeah. And you all are very transparent and honest about everything you do with that through uh, the Fusion Series and Discovery Series and everything like that too. Well, that's, that's exactly right. And, you know, we've had great response from that to present to the consumer that, you know, hey, this is what it is. You know, it may or may not be ours. But this is what it is, and this is how we put it together. And, you know, uh, historically, it's been a lot of times the distiller is the one that presents this or one that picks it. Well, we don't do that at Barstown. We, we pick it as a team. You know, we put culinary, beverage people, the marketing people, everybody has a response or an input on, on how it goes together. And we have very good results out of how this happens. I know. We've been seeing our friend Danny Bardstown every once in a while over in the blending lab on Instagram, we can see that he's, he's got some hand in some of this kind of stuff coming out too. That's exactly right. And, and it goes all the way through the company. It's, it's the, you know, the Danny Bardstown that does it, the, some of the people on the tour team, the, the beverage team, culinary team, marketing, you know, all those people are up to put a blend together to have it rated, to be selected final product that that's put on the market. So it, it's not just myself or, or Danny or anybody, all of the People that work at the distillery have an opportunity to to put a blend together to be up for selection. For sure. And then, Freddie, welcome back to the show as well. Yeah, glad to be here, Kenny. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, being a part of this collection and being able to work, as you said, frenemies when we started, and I like Steve's comment of friends better, you know, we get together at festivals, things, spending time together, just talking about whiskey and really driving the industry forward, whether we're in Kentucky or out on the road traveling, we all run into each other and we're all there doing a very common job, right? Trying to promote bourbon. So whenever the opportunity came to be a part of this collection, it, it was a no brainer for me. I kind of helped push it through some of our hoops um, and regulatory hoops we, we jumped through. Uh, but, you know, being the eighth generation of the Beam family and all but two of those generations residing right there in the same home that my dad currently lives in, Bardstown, you know, I'm very proud to be from there. And then to be able to honor the bourbon capital of the world and kind of put it on a pedestal that it deserves, uh, it, was, it was a great opportunity. And, and like I said, it was a no-brainer for me and for us because of, of our connection to the community. All right. So the same question to these guys. Where was your hand in picking these barrels? <laughs> I drove this one. Um, it was kind of funny. I was actually working on Little Book Chapter 5 um, whenever this opportunity came about. So I was kind of already knee-deep in, in, in wading through our inventories, looking for some unique barrels, uh, recalling some barrels that I knew were, were pretty special. And it kind of worked out very well. There was a lot of barrels that myself and two on our blending team really liked. Um, and there was only about six or seven of them left in the lot. And Wait, six or seven of these the barrels, barrels total. just kind of sitting in the alcove, to be honest. I used some of them for a little book before. We tasted them back to see if they were still okay. Um, but we ended up not using them in little book five. So when this came up, I instantly said, I want to use that. But kind of going in the blending route myself, I wanted to bring together two separate liquid streams. So I utilized a Jim Beam liquid stream um, sitting at about 17 years old, and then a 16-year-old old granddad liquid stream. So still two bourbons, but blending them together, creating a pretty robust profile. And so I'd say I had a pretty solid hand in it. But again, I was already kind of knee deep in working on Little Book. Um, and, and with the blending team that was working with me, we all worked together to kind of finalize it. But we already had a good direction because we had been tasting so many barrels preparing for that that product development session. Well, I'm not surprised that you went a little bit of a blending route. <laughs> I mean, with everything you're doing with Little Book, it kind of seems like that's going to be your thing that you want to kind of put your stamp on. Uh, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of opportunity in blending, whether it's blending two bourbons together, four bourbons, or rye with bourbon, you know, other things as well. It's expanding the flavor profile of American whiskey and kind of going back to, you know, working with with my friends in the industry that's what we're all trying to do is, is draw more people into the industry. So any way we can kind of change the flavors that we can deliver and talk to consumers about that and see what is it that they like about what we've done there. And you can kind of get, you know, is it worth doing a straight product with some similar flavor profile? So I think blending is kind of the next big extension of American whiskey. If you look at, um, it kind of already is, is here, I guess, a little bit. Um, but, you know, between bourbon, rye, blended, I think that there's a big prominent spot that it can play because it's bringing together straight spirits um, that are already very prominent in American whiskey. I mean, I'll say I agree because we <laughs> kind of do the same thing here. Uh, but you know, another thing is like you had 16 and 17 year old barrels just kind of sitting around. You said only like six of these yeah, in a yeah. lot. Was anybody pissed that you were kind of taking them? Is it, is it like, no, you're like, you're like, these are Freddie's barrels. He gets yeah. to choose what he wants to do. As we were getting ready to get on, you know, I was scrolling through to look at the date just to make sure I was right on the ages and on there, I got the, basically the, the computer model sent to me, and it says all the information about the whiskey. And at the very end, it says, hold for Little Book. So no one, I, I was kind of getting, I would be me getting mad at myself. You know? <laughs> I reserved the barrels. 
I think, you know, it's a very fitting collection and an and opportunity to kind of release some of my my kind of special barrels I had tagged for a little book to to a project. So Yeah. That's awesome. And Connor, we didn't really get to talk to him about this with you. So uh the barrels that you selected, I mean, do you have some ideas and details of of what you did and, and kind of like what went into the ones that you chose. Yeah, well, um, they're nine years old, and the one of the cool things about them, they came, they were right next to each other for those nine years in the warehouse, and they both taste completely different. Um, so same age, same batch, same everything, except the whiskey, the whiskey gods made one kind of sweet smoky, and the other kind of more wood forward. And you know, you blend them together, you get this rich, robust, delicious whiskey. Yeah, so you kind of went the same route and said, "Hey, we're going to put these two together. Yeah, yeah. we're going to blend them." And then you know the the total is greater than the sum of the parts. So. Yeah, I mean, was that so? The idea when you all were going into this, like we knew that everybody had to kind of choose two barrels and and blend them together. Was that the the kind of uh, on the onset here? I don't know. It's just we wanted something special, yeah. something good, something yeah. unique. You want to make something a little differentiated. Yeah. You kind of to your point, you had two barrels there. You, we could have used two of the same barrel, but. To make something a little bit differentiated, a little bit more unique, it is kind of cool to be able to use blending, like like we said, either just in bourbon, blending two bourbons together, a little bit deeper complexity. It really drives a lot of robust flavor when you, when you can bring things together. To Connor's point, it's better than the sum of its parts. Yeah, for sure. And it's because people are getting bored of single barrels. Is that what happens now? We're like, <laughs> two barrel just blends? something new, you know? <laughs> That's the new trend, two barrel yeah. blends. Two barrel blends. <laughs> well, if you put put two of the same barrels together, you're really not creating a, a true blend. You know, you're, you're just kind of taking two really good barrels and you're really not mm-hmm. enhancing them. When you put two different flavor profiles together, then you're really creating a, a very unique flavor profile that adds two different flavors together to create a great flavor yeah. or a great, unique, different product. For sure. Yeah. You know, well, the other thing that we kind of look at what this collaboration means, you know, it, it is for, you know, really looking at the city of Bardstown. Um, Freddie, I know that, you know, you've grown and lived yeah. and been a part of Bardstown for, you know, your entire life. 34 uh, years. Yeah. <laughs> Connor's a little bit of a transplant, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't from around here. <laughs> we take well to transplants around yeah. <laughs> But Freddie, I'll, I'll kind of start with you as well. So, you know, when we look at the, the city of Bardstown and really what this means, it's really trying to shine a spotlight on Bardstown being the bourbon capital of the world and, and kind of bringing together everything with the packaging and what it's being donated towards and just to make sure that it it's really highlighting what the city is really building on i'll go back to a conversation when i was kind of selling this in at at the company was what does it mean to you for bartstown to be the bourbon capital of the world and and what i said was it's this unique location where you can come and taste all these different products from these different companies and different distilleries and, you know, when you talk about bourbon, the laws are kind of cut and dry, right? It, it's very simple what, what, what you have to do. But, you know, you come visit us, you hear one story and one way into what we're doing to, to what we think is our flavor profile. You go talk to, to Steve at Barstown Bourbon, same kind of, like I said, same regulations, but what, how they're doing it, totally differentiated. And then, boom, again, you walk over and you, you meet with Connor. And talk about what their heritage is and how they've influenced bourbon. Same rules, same regulations. Very different story, very different elements to it. And it's with all the distilleries within this area. And so to me, that's what I was telling the folks on the team was, Barstown is the bourbon capital of the world because it's truly the place where you can come 
and experience the most bourbon, you know, the most differentiated experiences within bourbon in a similar location. I mean, money wasn't an object. You could go all over the country, right? But it'd take you a hell of a lot longer. You could come here for three days and, and taste a lot of really good whiskey and hear really inspiring stories about why they're doing it the way they're doing it and how, how we're all doing it. So that, to me, that's what, that, that's what it means is amplifying Bardstown because it's this location where you can come as a visitor, as a connoisseur of bourbon, and just be totally immersed in not just one person's kind of thought process into what bourbon means, but you really get the holistic industry experience when you come to Bardstown. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of places to visit when you, when you come here, and that's what people always ask me. They're like, oh, I need to go. I'm going to go on the visit the Bourbon Trail. I'm like, all right, you got to choose. You know, you're going to go left, you're going to go right. You know, if you start in Louisville, which way are you going to go? And I'm like, if you're going to go right and you go to Bardstown, you're going you're gonna to spend a whole day there and you can easily spend two because there's no shortage of places to go visit, things to see, uh, a whiskey history museum. Like it, it just continues to keep going on. And one of the cool things that I think that I feel that Bardstown Bourbon Company really, I guess you could say, started this. This, this rolling train of creating more elevated visitor experiences and having something that is, I mean, let's just talk about the moss wall for a second, right? Like how often do you go to a distillery and you see a moss wall and everybody's like, I got to get a picture behind that thing. It's like, it's like going to Nashville and people get pictures with the angel's wings, right? Everybody got to get a picture of the moss wall at Bardstown. Well, there's, there's a couple of things that to add to Freddie's comments, uh, the rules have changed to allow us as the industry to, expand on our visitors experience you know uh, several years ago when visitors came to our facilities we could show them through the facility we could tell them about the facility but we could only give them a small sample of the product you know they could not have a meal at the distillery they could not have a cocktail they could not do a lot of things at the distillery well these rules have changed in the last couple of years to allow a lot of things to happen we can now allow I like to relate it back to the Napa Valley experience. You know, they can come there, they can have the tour, they can taste products, they can have cocktails, they can have a meal at the distillery, and they can actually spend days at this area, you know, and they can enjoy it. So that is allowing us as an industry to give the experiences that 10 years ago could not happen. So that is allowing us to really present ourselves more in depth than we could 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. And it, it, I think that really, again, I think that sort of amplified and lit the fire of this whole, let's make Bardstown a real destination type of experience. And, and you all really kind of pioneered that effort. But now we've seen Heaven Hill start coming out of the gate too. How, how big was this renovation? Did you all just get finished doing? Well, it took us three years and I don't know, you hear $20 million thrown around. Give or take a million between friends, <laughs> right? Exactly. Small loan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean, if you, if you get to come to Bardstown, uh, like the, the other guys said, I mean, there's so many great places to see, but um, our new bourbon experience is pretty special. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Yeah, it definitely is. I've had a chance to kind of go around. I can't wait for people to come and people to visit the the Five Brothers Bar that's yeah, been up yeah. there and stuff like that. You were able to release a new bourbon that's a part of that too. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of cool things that have been happening with there. A lot of, you know, um, 
just reflection of the history of the Shapiro family uh, and, you know, the five brothers who founded it 80, almost 86 years ago now. So we're not quite 200 years old, but we've <laughs> <laughs> been around longer than BBC though. Right, yeah. <laughs> we're kind of right in the middle there. <laughs> but no, it's, it's cool. I mean, there, you, you see a lot of visitor experiences and there's a lot of really good ones, but I'm, I'm pretty proud of what the, what the team did to put the, the new bourbon experience together for us. It's, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. And I should also mention that, uh, you know, we're just talking to three members of this collection today. Uh, we still have Lockstill Distillery and Preservation Distillery that are part of this as well. And it, do we have... It's a, like we got Lockstill walking in the we door got right Lockstill now. walking in the door right now. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. go to commercial. Well, yeah. <laughs> If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. And we have another little bit of a late arrival to the show, but we're glad she's here. So we have Lynn Danch, the uh, COO of uh, Logstill Distillery. So welcome, Lynn. Glad to have you here. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So I think uh, let's go ahead and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself as well to just sort of everybody. We kind of went through here and everybody kind of talked about the barrels they selected. They talked about, you know, what kind of was the the impetus for it as well. So can you talk a little bit about some of the, the whiskey you all did select for your contribution to this? Sure. Yes. Thanks. So we have a seven-year-old high rye bourbon. Uh, high rye is typical of what the Dant family legacy kind of has always produced as the Dants have been in the industry. You know, obviously with Log Still, we're bringing the Dants back into the bourbon industry. We're very excited about uh, my cousin Wally and, and Charles and I really following Wally's vision to get the family back in. And so we selected a high rye that, again, is consistent with what our family tends to drink and enjoy a lot. This one has, you know, some nice notes of uh, cinnamon and clove um, and has a really nice long uh, finish. So we're really pleased to be part of this effort with these guys and and uh, contributing to the good of the community, as well as offering our customers some some nice bourbon. Yeah, I think what 
you know, Steve had mentioned at the very beginning, he said that they were the new kids on the block. You're you're more of the new kids on the block. Relatively speaking, yes, log still. Yeah, relatively uh, speaking, for yeah. sure. Yeah, because what w- you all were founded uh, way, way long ago, but you all have just kind of been... I guess rebirthed. I guess you could say. What's what's the what's the term you like to use? Well, I think we're reviving the family. Reviving, maybe yeah. legacy. Rebirth. Yeah. Rebirth. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a little. Yeah. Rebirth sounds gross. Yeah, I should yeah. Have, <laughs> take that one out of the vocabulary. But you know, Lynn, the other thing that we kind of uh, we left off on uh, was talking about the city of Bardstown and kind of really what this means. You all have started really investing into some of the stuff that's happening at Logstill. I hear about the concerts that are happening and and everything like that. Kind of talk about what it really means to you to start bringing in a lot of this stuff of really trying to bring, you know, more flavor to Barstown, if you will. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we are really proud to be back in Nelson County. Uh, We're actually in the southern part of the county, but, you know, Bardstown's a huge part of this county. And we're really about, you know, reestablishing our family where, you know, my great-great-grandfather started almost a couple hundred years ago, we're on the property where my granddaddy had a distillery uh, back uh, before Prohibition and after Prohibition. We obviously took a little bit of a break then. But, you know, for us, it's all about giving back to the community and giving back to the area that, uh, you know, did so much for our family, you know, early 1800s on. And so, you know, to be able to contribute to Bardstown and what Bardstown is doing to really focus, you know, this area of, of the state and, of course, the country as really the center of bourbon and bourbon industry and working with these guys with, you know, some huge name distilleries uh, to support the community and everything that Bardstown is trying to do is just really an honor for us. Do you have a favorite person that you booked so far for your, your concert series? Um, you know, Little Big Town was a really was a big one. Was a big one. We've really tried in, in that sense to bring, you know, some entertainment. There there wasn't an outdoor amphitheater. We worked with Kim Houston, uh, obviously in, in Bardstown, uh, for the Nelson County economic development to to just bring a little bit of a different thing. We're focused on family very much. We want to give families an opportunity to have a place to come and relax and eat dinner and enjoy a show and, you know, take a train ride. Um you know, all while enjoying bourbon at the same time. Where's the Where's the train going in and out of? The train is the one that runs from New Hope to Boston. Okay. Um, and, you know, it'll stop at the Kentucky Railway Museum in New Haven. Certainly is a big partner with us where we'll have, you know, dinner trains. We're getting some overnight cars where folks can actually stay in one of the cars as a and b in addition to the other five B&Bs that we have on site. So... It's really trying to make it a family atmosphere on the Dant Crossing campus. For sure. That's awesome. And the other thing about this is that everything that's being built as a part of the Bardstown Collective, it, it is all, all the hundred percent of the proceeds are being donated to a few different places. You got the Main Street Association, hospitality, first responders. And I know this is a, uh, it's a big deal. I mean, bourbon raises a ton of money for charities every single year. And the cost of these bottles are going to be around 160 to 250 dollars a piece. So you can kind of look at that and think of the impact that it's going to be when you think of two barrels from every single distillery and what it's going to go towards. Um, you know, a lot of these these great initiatives. So for you all, you know, what does this really mean as a part of of helping build a, a kind of a better bourbon culture? Uh, you know, Freddie, I'll kind of start with you as well because charity means a lot to to bourbon. It seems it's one of those things that whether it's the distilleries or whether it's just the online bourbon communities, everybody seems to be 
trying to help the the greater good and whether it's donating bottles and finding good good charities it seems to be one of the things that's kind of blown up over the past maybe 5 years yeah i mean i think you know when you talk about the bourbon industry as a whole it, it's a relationship driven industry and to me you know I, I look at it a lot when you look at it that way and you have families that are oriented in the industry it becomes a family business right whether it is a family business or not um and it, it becomes caring about the people of, of the community that has kind of helped you be a part of this industry. So the things you named off with the Bartstown Main Street, uh, first responders there in, in the community, um, and, and the hospitality who, you know, a lot of times they may send people who are at their at their restaurant or, or bar in town, you know, where should we visit? They're big advocates for us as bourbon industry as well. So I really think this, the industry as a whole and the way that it has been shaped over the, over the course of history has set it up to to kind of be that, to be a charity, because I mean, generally you, you hear of people in the industry that may need help and you've probably met them, um, whether it's a consumer or, 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 um, you know, a distiller or just anybody, we're all there to kind of lend a helping hand. We like to see, you know, all ships rise with the rising tide. So I think when you can support the community that's kind of helped or, or not helped, that has shaped the industry along with the distilleries that are around it, it's a great opportunity. And and going to your point, you know, bourbon has always been a charitable industry. And I think it kind of goes back to that point. It's been built off relationships, family members, friends, all getting together. You know, Connor touched on the fire that that moved their distillery from Bardstown, but all the distilleries pitched in to help them out to keep them going because we knew losing, you know, kind of losing a brother or a sister in, in a distillery like that could have a bigger impact on the whole industry and could have a negative impact on us. So we're all very close and and I think it just kind of bleeds over into our consumers, bleeds over into, into folks like you who are very connected to us in the industry. It just becomes a very close-knit industry when, when you have people that care, you know. And I think that's what you see in this industry is people that care and then to have the opportunity to come together and do something like this, it, it quickly became a no-brainer, I'm sure, for, for all of us anyway. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think it's one of the things that's uh, – everybody has the, the ability to kind of donate. I mean – you all are, are sitting on some of the best whiskey in the world and being able to provide that as a as a mechanism to drive forward and, and create good change, I think is is very valuable. Steve, I kind of want to get your thoughts on charity and how bourbon sort of impacted that as well. Well, um, in a way, I don't look at it as charity. You know, these these groups have really been over backwards in, in the past couple of years to not just our community, but the whole world uh, to keep it going. And this is in a very, very small way, a way of just saying thank you for what they've done. And, you know, it's it's something that we can do and we're very proud to do as as an industry to say, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you to keep them going. You know, they like I said, they've they've gone through a rough, rough time. And in some ways, I don't think the world appreciates them as much as they should. So, you know. If we can do a very small something to to help them out, to show our appreciation, then I think that's the least we can do. Yeah, for sure. You know, and the other thing about, uh, this is also in coordination with with Visit Bardstown. So the community and everybody else is kind of really behind it. And we, we touched on community um, quite a bit when we were doing this. Now, the other thing that's unique is that these are also like separate releases. They're being released at different times on different days at each of these distilleries. 
so who's going to be lining up first at each distillery to go and get their own bottle? Anybody, oh, anybody, yeah. anybody camping out? I haven't looked at the map of, yeah. of how it's being released, but I mean, I'd, I'd be glad to, I hope I can make it where I can pop around to all of them and, and get them, but I'm sure there'll be a couple that I won't be able to just based on logistics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other thing is that when we talk about what does this look like from, as a consumer, they think, okay, well, I got to go all these places and get these bottles. They might be thinking, oh, God, they're going to be so different. Like, what are they going to look like? Actually, it's, it's going to be almost pretty uniform. Uh, there's going to be unified packaging between all these distilleries and how they're going to come out. And there's just going to be a little kind of note at the bottom that kind of says, this is, this is where it came from. I think that just kind of goes back into, and Connor, I'll kind of leave this one to you. It, it kind of just goes into how everybody's kind of working together. They're working together for, for a greater good here. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll kind of toss one this, this one your way. Like we've seen this over the, the span of, uh, you know, a few decades. Every once in a while, you see a bunch of distilleries kind of coming together uh, to create something. Um, kind of talk about, you know, why don't we do this more often? Why don't we find more distilleries kind of coming together to maybe creating blending projects, uh, creating unified packaging and, and stuff like that. Um, kind of get your thoughts on that. Well, that's an easy question. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to unpack there. Well, I think, you know, um, you know, Freddie had on earlier, the, uh, you know, at, at the production level, we're all close buddies. Now you get out in the market, it's a little more, you know, cutthroat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. But, you know, definitely at this production level, you know, we help each other out whenever we can. Um, I was at a, a neighboring distillery in Louisville yesterday, just discussing some, you know, common issues we have. So we're we're happy to share, to work at that level and share ideas, share best practices. So, but um, you know, this 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 project could be a, a really good, you know, uh, first step in projects like that. You know, it's it's clearly we're it's kind of fun to be doing this. You know, and the the you're right. The packaging is it's 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 kind of celebrating Bardstown and not necessarily the distillery that I came from. Although you know our names will be on the front. And but yeah, the 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 point of this is community collaboration, great whiskey for a great cause. Yeah, I, I think there was there was a, a Heaven Hill uh, thing that came. I think it was a long time ago. It might have been a um, maybe a Parker Beam thing or something like well, that. The Everybody, Unity bottle. The Unity yeah, bottle. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. thinking of. I was yeah. like, I know there was something like that that came out a long time ago. Um, but you don't, you don't hear about those things. And I think it'd be, if this is a a driving change and something that people can see like, oh, like this is, this is something that we can all kind of build upon and, and whether it's, you know, for charity or whether it's unique things, I think it's something that could really, uh, spark interest to the consumer market too. Too, like what Connor was saying in production, we're all very close knit, but then when it comes to sitting down and like doing a project like this, it takes so many different entities yeah. to pull together <laughs> yeah. from all these different co- companies, you know, it, huh. that's we, what makes we, it tough. We, yeah. We have to also recognize that, uh, people sitting in this room, we're like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All day, there's, every day. there's, there's uh, about 10 layers above everybody's head here. They're like, well, I don't really know we should do this. So that's, right. that's understandable. That's understandable. Um, now the other thing is that, you know, so there's also, I think a booklet that's detailing kind of some of this project that kind of goes into it. Um, some really good packaging. So I guess, uh, you know, as we kind of start winding this down a little bit, if any that does want to know more about this, they can go to bardstowncollection.com. They can get an overview of it, kind of get an idea of uh, where to run to and, and find all these things. But, you know, for you all, I, I kind of want to start kind of wrapping it up is kind of give some final thoughts on, you know, where this project is going and, and really what it means to you to help provide something for the greater good, for the, the city of Barstown. And, and we'll kind of go around the table here. So, Lynn, we'll, we'll start with you. 
Yeah, first, I, I just want to kind of add on to what we're talking about earlier around the community. I, and I think as kind of the, the newest kid on the block, that is one thing that has just been, you know, really awesome about getting back into this industry is just the camaraderie and the collegiality that you find on the manufacturing side. And so I think it's kind of a, a natural extension to your question around the Bardstown collection, just to build on that and not just show folks that are familiar with the industry here in Bardstown, but you know anyone that comes from outside. We have visitors from all over the world come to Bardstown and just show them what a special and unique community this is and that it's truly is about, you know, working together uh, on the production side and that, you know, in doing that, that we are going beyond each of our own individual companies and entities to help others. And I, you know, I think that's always a, a good and positive message that the world needs more of. And, you know, this is, you know, we're taken from a very profitable industry, but really trying to give back and do good in the community and, and for others. And so, that's to me what this Bardstown collection is really about at the end of the day. And I've had some people kind of raise their eyebrows at the prices uh, that the the bottles are going to be at. And I said, but but this is really not about, you know, we're not making any money off of this. It's all about giving back to the community. And, it's a, and we're using something that we're blessed to be able to produce that others enjoy and make some money off of it in order to give back to those that Steve really, really well articulated earlier, don't always get the praise and recognition that they need. And so that's really what I think this is, you know, a first year of a really great program that uh, Bardstown has helped pull us together kind of out of our individual days. We all have bad days, <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> kind of saying earlier, and, and, but pulling us kind of out of the weeds of, you know, the day-to-day production and, and getting us to contribute to the greater good and the greater cause and and doing it with folks that we really enjoy hanging out with. So, Well, I don't want to well, maybe people would feel like they're like, don't say it's a very profitable industry. They got to know that like, we work hard, right? We work hard. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of mouths to feed that go down this line from that $50 just, bottle, right? Yeah. So, I'll say it's profitable in the sense we, yeah. we make probably a better margin than the firemen and policemen do. So how's there that? You there you go. There you go. That's, that's a better way to put it. Uh, Connor, what about you? Uh, I think the part that resonates with me um, is the giving back to the hospitality industry because without them, and we can make whiskey all day long, but until bartenders, wait staff, and the rest actually sell it to consumers, you know, we're just making nothing, you know, what's the point? So they are- now you got a lot of whiskey. A, a lot of whiskey. 1.9 million barrels is what we got. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, and of course they've been so hard hit by COVID that, you know, this is just a, a great opportunity for us to, to give back, uh, recognize their incredibly in, uh, important part in this industry. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, Lynn, I kind of want to touch on as well, as you had mentioned the price point, you know, honestly, a $150, $250 bottle nowadays that, that doesn't seem to raise a, a ton of eyebrows, I think, into the, the enthusiast crowd, uh, especially people that are, you know, A, if you're giving towards charity, I think people people assume they they they, they have a, a little bit easier time doing that. Uh, but you also have the the enthusiast community, the collector community, uh, people that want to go and get them all. I mean, there's there's going to be people that go to every single one of them. They want to have the entire collection. Yep. And I think that... And I think that just kind of goes to show that, um, you know, we have yet to see the the ceiling on on what people can do for bourbon. But I, I still think it's it's still very reasonably priced of of what you can get, especially for something that is going towards such a a great thing. And they're all like super unique whiskeys, you know. And we've all picked great whiskeys. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, we're super proud of our names are on them. So yeah, it's cool stuff. You got the yeah. people in this room that helped select these barrels and had a, a hand in it, and it's not a. 
And not to say that, you know, whomever down at warehousing just said, hey, go pick two barrels. Like these, <laughs> these people actually, you know, the master distillers here and the eighth generation distiller too. I want to put any kind of words in your mouth there. Ready? But, uh, <laughs> I've got that one just yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, had, had, a, had a real hand in this and, and they really wanted to make sure they showcase some of the best whiskey possible from each of their representative distilleries to be able to put that forward and, and make sure you have the best experience too. Uh, but Steve, I'll kind of let you kind of go as well as kind of what this whole project means and, and sort of like where you think it's uh, the next stage of it could go to. Well, there's a couple of things that, uh, you know, the word Kentucky being on bourbon really has an emphasis. When you can tie the camaraderie that the distillery is all working together really showcases that how well we partner with each other. When you tie all that together and then we come out with a, with a label or a product that we're all showcasing together, you know, that just kind of ties everything together too. So, you know, when this all comes out and this can be a, a foregoing product, you know, maybe year after year or whatever, then it can start a, a product trend, you might say. So, you know, it's showcasing Kentucky product, for one thing, then it's showcasing Bargetown as the bourbon capital of the world. So it, it can showcase all the, companies working together so it's really starting to showcase how well we work together and then the products that we put out are really exquisite products so it's just kind of showcasing bargetown as the bourbon capital of the world and this showing what great products we can put out and showcasing how we can all work together as an industry so you're trying to say if there's any question about it there's not anymore. There's like, not any. Like there's Barstown, not any. Barstown, 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 Barstown. And Freddie, you know, we'll call you the hometown hero here because right. you have grown up around Barstown and, and kind of really what this means to to you and maybe even to the, you know, your family as well. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, listening to to my colleagues here talk about this scenario, it's kind of hard to even add much to it. But your question about what it, the opportunity is, I think that's the biggest answer to it is that huge opportunity that's kind of presented itself to uplift the hospitality, first responders, the main street of Bargetown. And just to tease a little bit, the conversation we were having before we started, this could maybe lead to getting that, that, that thing we were talking about above the street there, you know, and, and help us solidify it. I, I agree with Steve. I think it is solidified. Bargetown's the bourbon capital of the world. But we need some signage that says that. Yeah. <laughs> Me kind of pitching that maybe this could lead to something like that. But I think just you know, why, like you, why stop there? Get yeah. hire a private plane and get some <laughs> banners behind. Just fly it. around all day. Just fly day. around all day. But I think just a like I said, that opportunity to amplify the community, uh, Bartstown itself. You know, it is a very. We're talking about Bartstown. We hadn't really talked about it. It is a pretty small community, and no one's really mentioned that. Um, so the impact that we can have by doing something like this in a small community that does uh, celebrate e each of our individual companies is great. And so I look forward to seeing what, it, as Steve was saying, three, four, five years from now, when we continue to put these unique whiskeys into this packaging that isn't about us, it's about Bargetown, right? So we said, it's just very small written on there. It's more about supporting that community. So I, I, you know, honestly, I think the opportunity is endless for what it can do for what we're looking for to do, which is drive that Bargetown is the bourbon capital of the world. So I think there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of different avenues that we can take to really celebrate bourbon, celebrate Bargetown, and put it on the pedestal. Um, and I think that's to your point about what my family would think about this. I think it would make them very proud to know, uh, A, that we've stuck in this community, 
Um, obviously, David M. Beam, who moved the family to Nelson County from just Washington County, saw something here, a railroad, one thing, but a, an opportunity as well. And to think that our family is kind of stuck in that same area, I'm sure it would be make him very proud to know that here we are about, you know, a little over 170 years after he moved there, coming together and amplifying that community. So I, I think everyone in my family would be very proud. I know I'm very proud to be a part of it and to kind of see where this thing can go for not only the community I live in, but the industry that I, that I work in and help support. Well, we've heard railroads mentioned twice now. So I guess that's the next thing that has to go and fund is the railroad that takes you. Maybe it's a tram. It's a tram that takes you to all these distilleries and kind of makes oh, it happen. You right? think about it, though. There is a railroad tracks. I mean, we've got one that runs right. You all crossed it twice coming to where we're at. Back in the day when you're making whiskey, you had to have a railroad. That was how you got your grain in. So you might be onto something there about having a railroad connection to all the <laughs> distilleries. If we can open up some of them spurs. I know we uh, we concreted over one of ours here at Claremont. So we might have to get the chisel out and start chiseling that, <laughs> chiseling that back out, right? Get Send them. people down to see yeah. see Lynn on the other side of the, the county, yeah. right? Yeah, we got some people that are good at chiseling out spurs. Right? <laughs> we might have to have a conversation after this then see how we, how we can get this going. There you go. I'm glad we sparked that. And if I, if I we'll do a bullet train while we're at it too, so it only takes you like two and a half minutes, right? two and a half minutes between distilleries. Like okay, yeah. You can really yeah. cram a lot in in a yeah. day. That's that's one way to do you it. You have to have some ramps, all them knobs and stuff through Kentucky. You can send a bullet train through here, you're going to be jumping and <laughs> Ramping, sliding around curves. I mean, it comes with a with a waiver. You know? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> See, yeah, so now not just bourbon enthusiasts, thrill seeking enthusiasts yeah. need to be coming through. Yeah, just just hold on your drink real tightly and hold, maybe put a lid on it. Hold my whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch this. Right? <laughs> but you know, yo, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show, talking about the Bardstown collection here. I think it's a really an awesome opportunity and really what you all have been able to put together. And honestly, I can't wait to start trying some of these whiskeys and seeing what you all put together as well, because I think uh, anybody that's an enthusiast can kind of really get behind the idea of what you did do and, and going and trying to find some of the best representations from each of your, your distilleries as well. So for anybody that wants to find out more information, go to bardstowncollection.com. You can see a lot of the information there and the bottles are ranging We're between $160 to $250 each. But with that, I want to say, Lynn, Connor, Steve, Freddie, thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks, and Kenny. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having us. Thank you. Got it. And with that, we'll see everybody next week. <laughs>